Well, as a child, today, you know, we are celebrating Epiphany Sunday, and that is the, the day of the star. And as a child, I remember my mom would take us across the street to the big, at that point, the big field. Now it's all built up with apartments. But she would take us across there, and we would bring a blanket or a sleeping bag, and we would lay out on the ground for a little while, and we would look up at the night stars. And she would point out the Big Dipper and some of the other constellations. And we would look to see whether or not there might be a shooting star or a meteor that would come through. And every once in a while, that was early in the space launches, every once in a while there would be something else that would go across the sky. And we would wait to see if we could see it. That was fun. It was a lot of fun to do it. Then I moved to Chicago and there were so many lights I couldn't see a thing. But when I moved back up to New Hampshire, I would go outside at night and I would just stand there and I'd look out and I'd look up at the stars and people would say, what are you looking at? And I said, the stars. Yeah. I said, I haven't seen them for 10 years. They're beautiful. And they were just absolutely gorgeous to see that. Well, long before Star Wars, there has always been a fascination with comets and shooting stars and the movement of planets in the sky. They have always fascinated people. And every 76 years, the Halley's Comet comes speeding by the Earth. In 1910, it came within 14 million miles of the Earth. And it was an unusually bright in the sky that year, lighting up the sky with its absolute brilliance and clarity. Now, some people were in awe about this, and others were absolutely terrified. Some said that the comet gave off gases, a poisonous gas. And sure enough, those financial hack, you know, those financial guys, the hustlers that wanted to take uh, advantage of that opportunity, they sold pills that would protect you from all of that comet gas that was going to come down and pollute and penetrate our atmosphere and perhaps cause death to people. Well, 76 years later, in 18, excuse me, in 1986, it was a whole different story. But the money was still there to be made. That year, the best place to witness the Halley's Comet was in Australia and New Zealand, and it became a commercial showtime. Every hotel room and motel room was sold out. The demand for rooms was so great that the government appealed to its citizens to rent out their homes to the visitors and the tourists. The cruise ships, the tourist boats, they were all filled the luxury liners, every single luxury liner had its own resident astronomer. And for a mere $8,000, you could travel with the world's most famous of astronomers and listen to the brilliant lectures about the comet. A few years later, you could take a 10-day cruise down under for only $2,000. I don't know what the price is today. But there's always money to be made when people want to take advantage of you. Sadly, if you missed one of that last one, you're going to have to wait to 2062 before it comes close enough for us to see it again. Some of you will be around, but not all of us. Whenever there is an unusual phenomenon appearing in the sky, people take notice of it still today. And though the questions may be different, now we may ask more like, what was that? 
Did you see that last night in the star in the sky? What was that? But centuries ago, they would ask, what were the heavens saying? What does it mean? What does this mean for us and for our nation, for our king? Historians have told us that a comet foretold the death of Caesar Augustus. Josephus, a Jewish uh, historian, told us that it also foretold the death of another Roman emperor. In 1682, when a comet came over Boston, Cotton Mather, who was a famous Puritan preacher who preached hell and damnation, he was the preacher of the town, and he warned the people that the comet was an omen A calling from God for the immoral town to repent, to get right with God while they still had a chance. And it was effective. His preaching was very effective. The town repented. It shaped up, at least for a couple of years. The unusual phenomena of the sky were not just the foretelling of death and bad news. The star or constellation of stars was also associated with the birth of notable people. And that is part of our story today with the wise men. When there was an interplay, not the Halley's Comet this time, but there was an interplay between two planets, Jupiter and Saturn. It lit up the sky. And the two planets interwove in and out of each other and put a dazzling display on for all to see. Now, who were these wise men? They were wise men of a science. They were astronomers of their day. They were highly educated. They were wealthy. They were part of the upper class. They were highly respected in their own Gentile culture. They were, you might say, they were the scientists of the sky. They memorized the sky. They knew what was where and when to anticipate it. They knew every single nuance that was there. And the changes that occurred above them, they took note. They were seekers after the truth. They were visionaries. And they were spiritual in nature. And when the wise men saw the strange phenomena and happenings going on in the sky, they wondered, what does this mean? The star, so compelling that they set out on a journey. And it wasn't just a short journey. Not something that you could do in in a day, but it took years. It was a long journey for them because they sought out the answers to their questions. They left home and the most popular of the familiar places, they left all of their status quo. They ventured out toward the yet unknown destination as they followed the star that went across the sky. And it would be a journey A journey not unlike the journey of Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament, who at the call of God departed their native land and traveled toward the land of the promise, the promise that God gave to them. The wise men were Gentiles. They were not Jewish. They were not familiar with the teachings of the scripture. Yet they followed that star, the guiding star of Judah, to the capital city of Jerusalem. And the first place that they would go, of course, if they're looking for a new king, is the palace. And so they show up at the palace, saying, where is the king who is to be born? Now, King Herod. King Herod was also not a Jew. He was appointed by the Roman Senate. 
He reigned, his reign was noted for all of its splendor. He conducted many and constructed many theaters and amphitheaters and monuments, pagan altars, and many, many fortresses. His greatest work was to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. But Herod had a very dark side to him. He was power hungry. He was self-absorbed. He was ruthless. He was a violent madman. You did not want to be a part of his family, and here's the reason why. He murdered three of his sons. He murdered his wife and his mother-in-law, a brother-in-law, an uncle, and many, many others. Is it any wonder that he had no problem in just a few years after the star, after the birth of Christ, that he killed so many innocent children and people in Bethlehem? He was violent. He was a madman. But naturally, the wise men would come and approach the king because it was the logical place to find the next king. They would tell of their journey and of the star that had led them here from the east, how they had first seen it there, and they had followed it here. And they would begin to ask, as it says in Scripture, is there anything in your sacred writings that would tell us specifically where the king is going to be born? The Scripture that was already read for us today in Matthew talks about the anticipation and the coming of Christ When King Herod heard all of this, he was very troubled. And everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. Because any time the king is not happy, ain't nobody going to be happy and ain't nobody going to be safe. King Herod gathered all of his chief priests and the highest legal authorities, the experts to him, and asked them, where is this Christ to be born? He turned to those that were supposed to know, the teachers of the law, the experts, the wise men, his own wise men, and the where is this Christ to be born? And they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, Judea, for that is what the prophet wrote. You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are you the least of the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs and who shepherd my people Israel. Well, the wise men and Herod, they were asking the same question. And the early church, the early Christians, they also asked the same questions. What does all of this mean? What is this star? The magi? The story? What is the meaning behind all of this? Because this is a night like no other. What does it mean for us and for me? The star of Bethlehem, first of all, it was the guide. It was a guide. It guided the wise men from the east on their long journey across all of the desert, all the way. And they came to Bethlehem and to Jerusalem. It also brought the shepherds. And they also came to see the Christ child that had been born. The star was a guide. The star of Bethlehem was also a sign, an announcement that God's prophecy had been fulfilled in the birth of Jesus Christ. As we read in Isaiah, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
and the greatness of the government and the peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord, that is what has accomplished it. The zeal of the Lord. Now, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, when they were asked, they were the experts. They studied the law. They studied the scriptures. They were the ones, I've got all the answers. I know it. They had found all of the facts out. It was there for them in everything that they read. There would be a Messiah that would be born in Bethlehem. They had been studying. And indeed, they had been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah, the newborn king, for hundreds of years. But they missed it. They missed the meaning of this star that came. They never really got it. And Herod, the king, the great, he had the title, he had the position, and he had all the wealth that he needed with all of the information and the answers at his fingertips, snap his fingers and someone would come and tell him what he wanted. But Herod was so self-absorbed, so power-hungry. He was led to frustration and failure and loneliness. The wise men, for them, the Magi, the star of Bethlehem was something else, something much, much more. For the Magi or the wise men, we call them both the either or, that they were the sincere seekers of the truth and the meaning and the substance of life. They were looking for something. They were drawn for something. And they discovered what it was that they were looking for that night. They saw what was going on around them and where they were as they followed that star. Something had gotten their attention way back way back in their homeland. The star had caused them to question and to come and to pick up their roots and to come and to make that long journey. They had traveled many miles. They had traveled for years, following and seeking. Seeking the one who came to make life meaningful. Money was not an issue for them. Power was not an issue for them. Position and titles, they were not the issues for them either. They were seeking for something much, much more. Something that would help them make sense out of what was going on in their life. The answer to the mystery of that star. The Magi started out on a journey for truth, for meaning, and for substance in life. And God led them every step of the way of that journey. For the wise men or the magi and for us, the star of Bethlehem was and is something more than just a guide. It is something more than just the announcement of the fulfilling of prophecy. The Old Testament prophecy of the coming of Christ had now been fulfilled. But the star said something more. The star of Bethlehem was also an announcement of God's promises still being fulfilled. The birth of Christ at Christmas. God entering into the world and entering into our lives. The star of Bethlehem declared that God's love is for all people. Of all races. Of all kingdoms. It is so interesting that those that were closest to the birth of the Christ child that night were not the Jewish of Jewish descent. Other than Mary and Joseph. 
the shepherds, the wise men, those that came were not Jewish. They were Gentiles. And so we see as they gathered that they came outside of the Jewish tradition. And that is a very important, but oftentimes not mentioned aspect of the Epiphany story. The star was life-changing in many, many ways. It is a story that can be called a story of adoption. Because it is a story that illustrates that God's love is not limited for Israel or the Jewish nation. It is open to all of us. Because we are, after all, all of us here are Gentiles, I believe. And the beautiful thing about adoption, I've talked to a number of my friends who have been adopted. And several who gave up their child for adoption. And I'll ask the ones that a friend of mine, I said, you know, that why, let me get a drink of water, excuse me here. Why did you give up your child? What, what allowed you to do that? In one situation, the girl was 16, not married. And she said to me, Diane, how could I care for my baby? I loved my baby. It broke my heart. But I gave up my child so that someone else could care and love for that child. I gave up the child that they might have life. When a child is adopted, it's not an afterthought. It's not something like, oh, well, it's an accident. Let's, let's adopt a child. People think about it for a long time. They prepare for it. And they make room in their hearts and in their home for that child. They are offering a gift to the child. And it's not that you are secondary. You are part of my family now. You are my child. I, am, I want to give you this gift. It is up to the child to receive the gift. Many children do. And some sort of stumble along the way. And it takes them a long time. Before they fully embrace the gift that they have received. Through their adoption. We are adopted children of God. That's the beautiful thing. We are adopted. And we can celebrate it. We're not an afterthought. We're fully embraced in the love and the family of God. We read about it again in the book of Isaiah when it says that all nations, all kings, all peoples, and all races in the world come, and they will come, and they will worship God, not just one race, but all of us together. The star shines over all of the races, and over all of the kingdoms, and over all of the people. The star shines over all of us. The word nation in the Greek language is ethos, from which we get the word ethnic. And so as the Bethlehem star is shining over all of the ethnic groups, we might say that. It is indeed shining over all of the ethnic groups of the world. Again, as we look at the wise men, historically we identify the wise men as being three because we, talk, we read in scripture about three gifts. We don't know. There could have been more. Historians have identified that the, the, uh, the, that the wise men were of numerous nationalities. 
The colors of their skin were multiple. I looked hard and fast to find pictures of the wise men. Some were all Caucasian like us, like me. Some were black and yellow and white. Some were darker skin. Some were lighter skin. In reality, the wise men, the magi, came from all nations. They were multi-skinned, multicolored, multi-ethnic. That is the embracing, the adoption of God's kingdom. Today, that same Bethlehem star shines over Moscow and Peking, Bangkok and Paris, London and New York. It shines over rich people and poor people and everybody in between. And this is the good news. And this is our story of adoption into God's family. The star shone over Bethlehem, guiding, announcing, and proclaiming the good news and demonstrating that night that the love of God revealed in that star is for all of us, for all people. The star guiding announcing, life-changing. It was all necessary that night to proclaim the birth of the Christ child, but that was not enough. Because Epiphany asked the question, what and where do you see God present among and in us? Herod didn't. Herod saw and heard of the baby, the birth of the baby, as a threat. The scholars missed it. But the wise men, they came and honored the child. Does the star guide you to the Christ child and to the love of God? Does it open up and bring you to that place? What is it that you have been questioning? Where have you been questioning the meaning of life? And what has seized your attention and made you start to wonder what is going on? Is there a stirring in your own heart, in your own life? The Magi bring a gift to us today, and that gift is their example. The example of saying no to Herod, no to the world, no to what was going on in society, and yes to God. Because as they listened to God, God took them home safely by another route. The Magi began their journey seeking in the wrong place in Jerusalem, the capital city. But God led them, led them further so that they could find the Christ child because the Messiah was born in Bethlehem. We oftentimes think that we know more than what we know. And as a result, we search where we think we ought to look like they did, only to find out it's the wrong place. The wise men, this is the only time that we hear about the wise men. After they go off on their journey, we never hear from them again. We don't know anything more about them. Herod and the scribes, oh, we know a lot more about them from the scriptures. The scriptures tell, the rest of the New Testament tells the rest of their stories. God put the wise men back on their course. And they help to point us also into the right choice. Make the same choice that they did. 
break from the self-absorbed quest and go beyond mere knowledge. Go to where the Christ child is and where God awaits you. They teach us to search for the one who can give us life and meaning in our lives. Are you following the star? Is it guiding you today? Is it life-changing? I hope so. I hope so. Let's pray. Our gracious God, it is a miracle that you did put that star, those stars in the sky, that you led the wise men, that you guided them through their journey. Lord God, it is a miracle today that you continue to guide us and change our hearts and, and direct us, that you continue to work in our own hearts day in and day out, that you change us, that we might worship you. And it is a miracle that you have adopted us into your family and called us your child. We pray this in your precious name, Lord God. Amen. Amen.